0: Anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Chapter 7. Chapter 8. Chapter 9. Smith in the City. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.blogsum.com. Today's reading by Kara Schallenberg Smith in the City by P. G. Woodhouse Chapter 7 Going into Winter Quarters There Was Mr. Rossiter had discovered Smith's and Mike's absence about five minutes after they had left the building. "'Ever since then he had been popping out of his lair "'at intervals of three minutes "'to see whether they had returned. "'Constant disappointment in this respect "'had rendered him decidedly jumpy. "'When Smith and Mike reached the desk, "'he was a kind of human soda-water bottle. "'He fizzed over with questions, reproofs, and warnings. "'What does it mean? What does it mean?' He cried where have you been where have you been poetry said smith approvingly you have been absent from your places for over half an hour why 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 where have you been where have you been i cannot have this it is preposterous where have you been suppose mr Bickersdyke had happened to come round here I should not have known what to say to him. "'Never an easy man to chat with, Comrade Bickersdyke,' agreed Smith. "'You must thoroughly understand that you are expected to remain in your places during business hours.' "'Of course,' said Smith, "'that makes it a little hard for Comrade Jackson to post letters, does it not?' "'Have you been posting letters?' "'We have,' said Smith. "'You have wronged us. "'Seeing our absent places, "'you jumped rashly to the conclusion "'that we were merely gadding about "'in pursuit of pleasure. "'Error. "'All the while we were furthering "'the bank's best interests "'by posting letters. "'You had no business to leave your place. "'Jackson is on the posting desk.' "'You are very right,' said Smith, "'and it shall not occur again. "'It was only because it was the first day. "'Comrade Jackson is not used to the stir and bustle of the city.' "'His nerve failed him. "'He shrank from going to the post-office alone. "'So I volunteered to accompany him. "'And,' concluded Smith impressively, "'we won safely through. "'Every letter has been posted.' That need not have taken you half an hour. True, and the actual work did not. It was carried through swiftly and surely. But the nerve strain had left us shaken. Before resuming our more ordinary duties, we had to refresh. A brief breathing space, a little coffee and porridge, and here we are, fit for work once more. If it occurs again... "'I shall report the matter to Mr. Bickersdyke.' "'And rightly so,' said Smith, earnestly. "'Quite rightly so. Discipline, discipline, that is the cry. "'There must be no shirking of painful duties. "'Sentiment must play no part in business. "'Rossiter, the man, may sympathize, "'but Rossiter, the departmental head, must be adamant.' Mr. Rossiter pondered over this for a moment, then went off on a side issue. "'What is the meaning of this foolery?' he asked, pointing to Smith's gloves and hat. "'Suppose Mr. Bickersdyke had come round and seen them. What should I have said?' "'You would have given him a message of cheer. You would have said, "'All is well. Smith has not left us. He will come back.' "'and Comrade Bickersdyke, relieved, would have... "'You do not seem very busy, Mr. Smith.' "'Both Smith and Mr. Rossiter were startled. "'Mr. Rossiter jumped, as if somebody had run a gimlet into him, "'and even Smith started slightly. "'They had not heard Mr. Bickersdyke approaching. "'Mike who had been stolidly entering addresses in his ledger during the latter part of the conversation, was also taken by surprise. Smith was the first to recover. Mr. Rossiter was still too confused for speech, but Smith took the situation in hand. "'Apparently no,' he said, swiftly removing his hat from the ruler. "'In reality,' "'Yes. Mr. Rossiter and I were just scheming out a line of work for me as you came up. "'If you had arrived a moment later, you would have found me toiling. Hm I hope I should. We do not encourage idling in this bank.' "'Assuredly not,' said Smith warmly. "'Most assuredly not. I would not have it otherwise. I am a worker.' a bee, not a drone, a Lusitania, not a limpet. Perhaps I have not yet that grip on my duties which I shall soon acquire, but it is coming, it is coming. I see daylight. Hm! I have only your word for it. He turned to Mr. Rossiter, who had now recovered himself, and was as nearly calm as it was in his nature to be. "'Do you find Mr. Smith's work satisfactory, Mr. Rossiter?' "'Smith waited resignedly for an outburst of complaint "'respecting the small matter that had been under discussion "'between the head of the department and himself. "'But to his surprise it did not come. "'Oh, ah, quite, quite, Mr. Bickersdyke. "'I think he will very soon pick things up.' Mr. Bickersdyke turned away. He was a conscientious bank manager, and one can only suppose that Mr. Rossiter's tribute to the earnestness of one of his employees was gratifying to him. But for that, one would have said that he was disappointed. "'Oh, Mr. Bickersdyke,' said Smith. The manager stopped. "'Father sent his kind regards to you,' said Smith benevolently. Mr. Bickersdyke walked off without comment. An uncommonly cheery, companionable feller, murmured Smith, as he turned to his work. The first day anywhere, if one spends it in a sedentary fashion, always seemed unending, and Mike felt as if he had been sitting at his desk for weeks when the hour for departure came. A bank's day ends gradually, reluctantly, as it were. At about five there is a sort of stir, not unlike the stir in a theatre, when the curtain is on the point of falling. Ledgers are closed with a bang. Men stand about and talk for a moment or two before going to the basement for their hats and coats. Then at irregular intervals, forms pass down the central aisle and out through the swing doors. There is an air of relaxation over the place, though some departments are still working as hard as ever under a blaze of electric light. Somebody begins to sing, and an instant chorus of protests and maledictions rises from all sides. Gradually, however, the electric lights go out the procession down the centre aisle becomes more regular, and eventually the place is left to darkness and the night-watchman. The postage department was one of the last to be freed from duty. This was due to the inconsiderateness of the other departments, which omitted to disgorge their letters till the last moment. Mike, as he grew familiar with the work and began to understand it, "'used to prowl round the other departments during the afternoon "'and wrest letters from them, "'usually receiving with them much abuse for being a nuisance "'and not leaving honest workers alone. "'Today, however, he had to sit on till nearly six, "'waiting for the final batch of correspondence. "'Smith, who had waited patiently with him, "'though his own work was finished, "'accompanied him down to the post-office and back again to the bank "'to return the letter-basket, and they left the office together. "'By the way,' said Smith, "'what with the strenuous labours of the bank "'and the disturbing interviews with the powers that be, "'I have omitted to ask you where you are digging. "'Wherever it is, of course you must clear out.' It is imperative in this crisis that we should be together. I have acquired a quite snug little flat in Clement's Inn. There is a spare bedroom. It shall be yours. My dear chap, said Mike, it's all rot. I can't sponge on you. You pain me, Comrade Jackson. I was not suggesting such a thing. We are businessmen, hard-headed young bankers. I make you a business proposition. I offer you the post of confidential secretary and adviser to me in exchange for a comfortable home. The duties will be light.